You know what I like to do every Monday, especially if it's a Monday, June 6th of 2011? I like to call Jick to see if he's sleeping, and if he is, if he's dreaming, and if he is, if he's dreaming of me. Let's try that. Hello. Hey, careful what you say. This shit is all the way live. Oh, no. How's it going? Yeah, it's pretty good. Sweating uh, sweating parts of my anatomy off today. Oh, yeah? Good, good 98 degrees and 100% humidity. Mmm. The humidity is what'll kill you. See, out here it's hot, but it's a dry heat. Yep. But it uh, out here, dry it's heaves. But it's a dry hump. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so uh, that, that was did, witty, did be, but it was. Did a dry you have to be way. outside? That that seems awful. That seems like a terrible thing. Yeah, I'm like I played outside with a kid for a while. I bought a sprinkler thing for him to gaily prance about in. You played a game of sweat balls. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Tried to see if I could get the bat wings going. You know, <clears throat> bat wings. I don't think I'm familiar with that. That's when your scrotum is sticking to either thigh. Huh. I don't think I've ever had that happen. Hmm. That's because you don't have any uh, testicles in your scrotum. Oh, that's the, yeah, that's the other problem. It's mean. Uh, I do, uh, I, I, uh, as I started gaining my uh, manly middle-aged weight, I did notice that every time I went somewhere that it was at all humid, I would start to get like all this really painful chafing if I walked around a lot. Yeah, yeah. Tops of my thighs there. That'll happen. Yeah, and people were like, put some baby powder on that shit. And I did that for a while, and then every once in a while I would look at the baby powder and think, you know, I wouldn't need you. I wouldn't have to suffer through this indignity if I just lost a few pounds. Happens still, though. Yeah, see, I think if I were anorexic and, you know, like, Holocaust thin, my thighs would still rub together. It doesn't happen as often as it did Sure. then, but, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what the problem is. It's like, it leaves scars, and then the scars are raised... And I end up with just these giant mountains of scar tissue. It's disgusting. Yeah, that's not... I hope that's not scar tissue that you wish I saw. Uh, I kind of do. I mean, just because I like watching you react to disgusting things. You know what will uh, stop that is wearing you some boxer briefs. Oh, fuck that. That's what they're designed for. Yeah, I guess that's probably true. They're designed for guys who are uh, beefy, a little bit beefy. Yeah. In the, in the crotch region, I feel. Big, big and tall. Big and tall in the crotch, yeah. The crotch region, yeah. Uh, how was your weekend? That weekend was pretty badass. We had yet another uh, wedding to go to. Jesus, man. So we, did the, uh, we had the rehearsal dinner Friday night. Jess was in the wedding party for that one. And they had it at, uh, at that uh, German place that we went to with the boots. Yeah. Uh-huh. And it, dear God, do they have some good food. I was talking about that place yesterday for whatever reason. My my trip came up and my my warm yet foggy memories. Yeah. And I officiated this wedding. You did? I performed the ceremony. I, Wait, I, really? I married some people. Yep. I got me, you know, my... You know, if you're uncomfortable about the duty-free thing, the, the whole online ordination business is another just clearly... And being an end run around a law that, even though it's a ridiculous law, it actually kind of made me feel a little weird. Did it? Yeah, because it's like, so you have to have an ordination from a recognized church to do a ceremony unless you're a judge in Minnesota. Right. So I went online, and there's this place called the Universal Life Church, and for free, 
they will let you join their church and ordain you. But for $20, they will send you proof of your ordination that you can use at uh, your local courthouse. So, you know, I paid the 20 bucks and found out that in the county I live in, they don't think that that church is sufficiently legit enough. But if I go to the county next door, I can register there. And once you're in the system, you're good for everywhere. Huh. So uh, that know- is... I don't think that I actually do have a problem with that. Uh, is I can I can see why uh, probably a generalization of the principles I I uh, you know stomped my feet and claimed to hold so dear in that last <laughs> conversation w- would lead you to to believe that I would. I, you know, so I think part of it is like my my dad I think got ordained by that outfit in the seventies, huh. um, and everything that all of the reasons that he had for doing it, which was like getting discounts on shit and stuff, they've pretty much done away with, I think. Hmm. I, I think that what that served to do was close a lot of doors uh, that had previously been open only to clergy. Right. Um, I don't know. I mean, it, 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 to, to me, wh- which of us are registered on paper as religious leaders is not nearly as important an issue as like taxation i guess sure maybe maybe that's why but i mean that's cool though like the you know the last wedding i was at boozer bear officiated it and i believe he is he is a reverend only of the universal life church i think it was just bizarre because it illustrates what's wrong with the whole this is a civil recognition of a agreement that has an optional religious component that leads to confusion about whether to whether like a religion has the right to say what is done with it you know right so like well this county i'm going to go to this government agency and they're going to decide whether i'm holy enough to marry people it's a little bit weird (laughs) like the ceremony itself went very well i gave a little like humanist sermon i suppose oh yeah did you did you write did you write it yeah i i do some writing yeah. Can, I see, can, I, can I see a copy of that? Yeah, I mean, it was just, uh, I can, like, flesh out my notes. Because I do the, like, writing down bullet points and then filling them in with bullshit. Yeah, oh, sure, sure. Yeah. That's, I find the best way for me to not be nervous when I'm speaking in public is if I, if I force myself to kind of think on my feet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because you know? if you have a whole thing written out, it's too easy to just, like, lock your gaze into that. Yeah, and I, and also, like... If I have all of it, like if I write a speech and recite it at home and time it invariably when I actually am giving it in front of people, I do it in like a third of the time because for whatever reason, when I'm nervous, I just talk really quickly, uh-huh. um, which I guess there's no time requirement on a on a marriage ceremony. In fact, probably most people want you to hurry the fuck up so they can get back to drinking and hitting on the bridesmaids. Yeah, this wedding was definitely the just a sejura, a little pause in between the drinking. I got uh, I got myself all the way to the "I love you, man" stage of really? intoxication, which is just a a stone's throw from throwing up day glow stage of uh, intoxication. But didn't get there. Just got to the like s- kind of staggering around, needing to be driven home. Telling That's people cool. how awesome they were and how they totally didn't even know and know I'm totally serious. 
you know, it's nice. It's nice to do that every once in a while. I think. I mean, it's it, like I, I look back on moments like that with some pretty serious like churnings of of horrible humiliation in my guts. <laughs> but like, you know, I, I feel like for a person with an active imagination and drive, it, it is often necessary to uh, sort of chemically induce that kind of total relaxation and openness and sincerity that only 15 beers can unlock. Exactly. Uh, yeah. I don't know. And I'm sorry again to everyone uh, who's been around me in those moments, but, uh, well, cool. I mean, uh, that's, that's neat. Did you get paid? I got paid with a bottle of tequila, which was more than I was expecting, so that was cool. Nice. That was, that's awesome. That thought, is the, you know, the kind of payment I would want for that sort of service. I was just doing it because they're like they were friends of mine of you know mine and Jess's, and they asked me to do it, and I was like, really? Wow, cool. Oh, okay. Yeah, you're an articulate motherfucker. I can articulate. The thing is, I only wrote, you know, I, like I wrote the speech, but I didn't actually implement it, so I didn't deliver it. <laughs> Did they? Yeah, they were well, a little we'll, mad. We'll, we'll get into that. We can. We can. I think it, everybody, everybody wants to know about our item of the month creation process. We can just tell a fucking tale this time. I just thought that we could go ahead and get to the uh, laughing at that shit phase. Sure. Because let's uh, be honest, yeah. we're gonna see each other in like four days. Yeah. No. I. I and I. You know. I was. I was already there. I was. Mm-hmm. Eh. I, I. I like your. I like your plan though. What we do when you get here is we immediately punch each other and then we eat a sandwich. Okay. I don't know if there's going to be time to get the best sandwich because you get in pretty late and we got to leave pretty early. We could uh, uh, we could kill two birds with one stone and punch each other in the face and each eat a knuckle sandwich. That's true. We got we're uh, already done. <clears throat> oh, anyway, uh, the, what was I going to say? I was yeah. What were you going to say this weekend? No, oh, we had a we had a little party. Uh, I'm like. My sinuses keep threatening to have a, an infection that uh, lets me say I'm sick, as opposed to I feel like I'm about to get sick, which it's it's hard it's 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 harsh in my mellow. I can't do a lot of drinking and I can't smoke any cigars because I know that'll make it worse, and I don't want to be sick from Max FunCon. Yeah, uh, I spent part of yesterday putting together our little giveaway packet things for the Max FunCon goodie bag, which uh, we got to we get to coast in on Roy's largesse because he's got such a good relationship with them that they were like, "Hey, you want to put something in the bag?" And hey, maybe those assholes that you know that make that video game would like to put something in here too. <laughs> Wait, did so you think was... we were the Penny Arcade guys? <laughs> maybe so. Uh, no, no, no. They, 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 those assholes were the successful video game. Oh my. Dag, yo. That, that gets uh, the full George Takei, oh my. <clears throat> but, uh, yeah, the, uh, huh. well, so we were talking about your, we were talking about your, uh, your sermon, your sermon. How does your dad feel about the fact that you officiated a wedding? I didn't really talk to him about it. I talked to my mom about it and she said, yeah, that, that does make me feel a little weird that this, you know, sacred contract that my dad went to, or that, you know, my husband said my mother went to school for six years to feel like he could perform that I could just be like, yeah, whatever. But like w- talking to people at the wedding, there were at least six other people who were also ordained under similar right. circumstances, because once you're outside of that Christian bubble, a lot of people would rather just have one of their buddies marry them. 
Yeah, or or I mean, a, a, a justice of the peace, right? Like, yeah. How does that work? Like, is that is a does a justice of the peace have to be a judge? I don't know, but I know here there aren't any justices of the peace. There are only judges, and only huh. some of them will do wedding ceremonies. I mean, is that because they, the, some of them don't like it, or some of them are like don't they're not that kind of judge? I'm not that kind of judge. No, I think so, they I mean, choose not. I guess to. is your mom made uncomfortable by the notion of secular weddings? I think she's continually made uncomfortable by the notion that I would prefer and perform a secular wedding. Hmm. Anytime, like, we just don't really talk about that. We've talked about it in the past and it didn't really go well. But anytime that it that it's kind of thrown into sharp relief that I'm not a Christian makes for kind of a weird thing. Yeah. I mean, I guess that's the, the question. Like, does do do you and does she consider the Universal Life Church a secular organization? Is it? Does it consider itself a secular organization? No, but it is kind of a bullshit organization. Well, sure, but I mean, you, know, you could say that about a lot of things that are they're, at least serious and sincere about being religions, right? I mean, they're, I mean, they talk a pretty good game about, like, being into universal religion, but the, the fact remains that they are kind of a diploma mill. Well, sure. You know. yeah, no, no, I mean, no, nobody's got their eyes closed about their actual purpose, right? Which is to sort of either allow a loophole for this thing that maybe, you, you know, I mean, we're... I, it seems like the ability to get married outside of a church, that doesn't necessarily seem like the kind of thing that you've been able to do for like a hundred years uh-huh. in this country, right? I mean, that like, it's one of those things where it's like, I wouldn't be surprised if you told me, I might actually be surprised, but I wouldn't be super surprised if you told me that there were still some states where you could not get married unless it was in a church by by an ordained clergyman. Yeah. Right, because I mean that there are a significant number of places where you can't buy beer on Sunday, right? So, like Minnesota being one of them. And I mean, I wonder if you know if if that church was designed to provide people with a secular outlet in their. I mean, you know, why doesn't the Church of the Subgenius do it? Yeah. For instance, right? Like, are they are these people coming at it from the like from the standpoint of the Unitarians? Right, I think where it's that like they well, would why, view the, the Unitarians as somewhat narrow-minded. <laughs> uh, but I wonder. I mean, my my impression of of the Unitarians is that they their goal is to provide a sort of uh, I mean, I guess a religion agnostic, a, a sort of like a way of providing the community and I don't know, sort of community service of a church without committing to any particular ethos. I mean, is that and Maybe providing that's not a, what the like, church is. I think so, but also they're they are kind of a religious studies program too. Oh, are they? Just to like go ahead and sample everything that's out there and see if anything makes sense, but they're they're gonna remain neutral. Hmm. Like I I will probably send Ollie to Unitarian Sunday school because he'll be able to hang out with some other kids that have filthy hippies for parents. Yeah, and they'll be like, "Okay, this week we're going to learn about Islam. Here are the facts about Islam, divorced of having to talk about whether it's true or not." That's that's interesting. I like. I kind of wonder. Like, I'm pretty happy with the way that I have turned out, and it was a product of a lot of weird things that happened. And it's like, well, how do I, you know, if I wanted to try to raise a kid similarly to the way that I was raised, like, how would I do that? I mean, I guess 
I'd have to, I don't know what, like, I don't know how I get a kid, how, without being religious myself, I get a kid into Sunday school, right? Because Sunday school was like, it was interesting to me. It was, it was like exposure to a bunch of ideas being espoused by adults that I was pretty sure didn't make any sense at all. You know, and I'm, it did not make me, I don't know. Do you think that I am disdainful of religion? Um, no, actually. I've never heard you talk about, you know, like, what bullshit it is and proselytize in the way that a lot of my atheist friends do. Maybe when I was younger, I did that. But it's, yeah, so I don't know. I mean, uh, like, there were a lot of really nice people in churches. You know, there are a lot of really nice people in churches. Sure. It's, uh, it's hard to generalize about anybody. Even, even cops. <laughs> Everybody's like, fuck the police. But I'm like, no, there's a lot of really nice people in the police. There's Sting. There's Flea. <laughs> I don't actually know the names of any of the other people in the police. Uh, Dr. Dre? <clears throat> Detective John Kimball. Who's <laughs> in the kindergarten police. Yes. Um... Yeah, well, I mean, does, so does the Universal Life Church stand for anything, or are they are they literally just? Did the guy who founded the Universal Life Church think I'm going to found a diploma mill, an ordination mill, an ordinance bunker? They, I was trying to find their uh, website to read their like. I mean, when you go to their website, the big links are become a minister, ministry products. And performing a wedding. There is a little, like, About Us page that says, We believe in the rights of all people from all faiths to practice their religious beliefs as long as they don't infringe upon the rights of others. So, you know, we like people and we don't want them to do mean things to each other. So it's, you know, for people who think that, like, like saying I'm spiritual I'm not really religious needs more structure right but definitely definitely it was first first came the we can sell little kits full of various things like up to like 150 bucks for a whole kit to let you perform baptisms and wow how do you baptize somebody if you're not a baptist I guess I guess Catholics baptize people too I don't know what I don't know what like I think the fact that that religion is called Baptist led me to believe that baptism was only their thing. They're the only ones who do it right. Oh yeah. They're, well, With they're the only ones. Full immersion. They're the only ones who yeah the, who do it the way that Jesus did it, right? In the Bible. Yeah. They 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 claim that the Catholics sprinkling it like so they're they're like baptists in the same way that the seventh day adventists are just like hey the catholics aren't doing this right yeah it was more like well you know jesus didn't do this to save babies lives he was doing it to grown men and women and like dunking them in water so we should do it that way grown ass men grown ass men groaning ass men it's weird for me to like explain all of this because i don't particularly believe it but you know, like when my Catholic friend says, well, you know, Peter was the first pope. I'm like, uh-uh. That verse has been misinterpreted by the Catholic Church. <laughs> and and then in midway through, like, what the fuck do I care? I mean, it's it's an interesting discussion. Like, you know, the, like, 
religion is interesting because it is just sort of such an important part of human history, right? Like that you you can't you can't just think, ah, nope, all bullshit, not worth thinking about or talking about or knowing anything about. Like a lot of the stories are really interesting. Sure. A lot, you know, the the stories that people made up in the context of like, you know, uh, the son of God who died for our sins so that we can all live forever in heaven. Like those stories aren't immune to the charms of a story, right? Sure. So I don't know. And I mean, the, the King James Bible has had such a, like a sort of crazy impact on language, like sort of, I don't know. It's, it's got some like really strong. And I feel like at this point it might as well be universal impact, right? As some, as some affect, <laughs> you don't like impact. You don't like the word impact. Yeah. I've, only because I feel like impact has come to replace affect and effect because people don't know the difference and they don't want to appear foolish see i i do i think know the difference between those so it i i know you just like it had an impact because that should be it had an effect there was already a word for that and it was effect right right but what about as a verb if I was trying to figure out. I was trying to figure out how to use it in the, the sentence world. that I just. And I don't remember what the sentence was. If there's a change that I wish I could effect in the world, it would okay. be to have an effect on people who use affect improperly. I mean, effect also means to bring into being, right? Yeah. That's that XKCD thing. Like you can you can effect a change. Mm-hmm. And you get I mean, right. You get into that realm of. When we take turns on the stilts, he is taller than I am. Wait, what? Well, you know how people confuse then and then? And you say, well, if you're saying, like... If you're oh, comparing, oh that's, that's clever. That's a funny... He is taller than I am, but when we take turns standing on stilts, he is taller than I am. But, huh. That's, so, I mean, it's just a deliberately doing something that looks like a mistake. That's that's clever. I'd, I'd never encountered that uh, sentence. Do you know any others? I'm sure somebody does. <laughs> <laughs> Where'd you learn that one? That one I just came up with because I was trying to think of a way to fool people if we added that into our, uh, our ghost of the English language. Oh, well, man, maybe you should make up some more. Yeah, and I should also do some more riddles for the Naughty Sorcerer's Quest. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I can't wait to set that thing on fire. And that was a quote from uh, me circa 2006. Yeah. <laughs> mm-hmm. Hot Stuff pointed out that we have now been forced... Uh, you, you forced our hand to come up with a way that we could do the Mysticality Quest. And I put my fingers in my ears and went, la, 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 because I'm also not sure that... I'm not sure that the the biting satire there is precisely relevant anymore either right. it's uh man that thing do people still do that sort of it's changed some I'm people sure. will get it yeah, i'm people sure people remember yeah ah uh, you want to uh you want to do some questions oh may we some questions from the forums, RNG He Hate Me says, I started this because I have a question or three, and then he lists them. Who put in the sweet 720 degrees reference in the Bees Hate You content? I read the text Skate or Die, and all the memories of that game came flooding back. I love it. Uh, I think Riff wrote those Bees. Yeah. I, I played a bunch of 720 
on a Nintendo emulator, like back in the early days of the Nintendo emulator, mm. I could never do shit at that game in the arcade. Like that was effectively just dropping my quarter in the trash to play that game. Like I kind of figured it out on the NES, and I remember you know getting getting a ways into it and actually learning about like oh okay so you like go do these things and then you like level up and stuff and you got to go earn tickets to participate in events that are in like the corners of the map and the map is like that game was so fucking hard. Yeah, I uh the weird thing is though there was a difference between 720 and Skate or Die, which was a different game. Yeah, Skate or Die actually was easier. one of the games that I owned for the NES. It was much easier. It had this neat sort of uh, obstacle course thing that I wish the whole game had been like this, uh, where you were sort of skating down an alley and you could, like, jump on things and you could punch bottles off of things and stuff. It was it was fun. It had this, uh, this kind of mouse cursor interface while you were in the skate shop, and there's this dude with a big tattoo, and you could mouse over <clears throat> things and he would talk to you about them. Like, you could mouse over his Marine Corps tattoo and he would say, Semper Fi or Die. That, yeah. Come to think of it, that was pretty groundbreaking. I don't know. I mean, like, like it was, was definitely the first time, first time I remember that. seeing it. Like the Though, I mean, in a PC and... game. I mean, it was, it was, I think, like, you know, it was, it was like, that was around the same time that I was playing, like, Loom, I guess. Mm. Yeah. Oh, let's see. Uh, he also writes, for limited time consumables like the soy cordial from Drunksgiving, uh, I hate to see them eventually disappear. So how about a duping mechanic? It worked well for the fruit dupe machine in the antique record. The machine takes turns and meat to use, and the zone where it is disappears with ascension, requiring you to reuse the record. All this means there has not been a flood of duped fruit. Yeah, I mean, the fact that you could, the fact that there was rare fruit that you could dupe was a total accident of that. And uh, once, once we saw it, I was like, ah, you know, maybe that's okay. Like, but Every time there is a bunch of talk that, oh, there's a limited supply of this important thing, oh, the world's going to end, the sky's going to fall, it never does, right? Or at least it hasn't yet. Yeah. I don't know. You know, reintroducing a thing that was equivalent to a soy cordial was also like, we had a bunch of booze and we were like, all right, why does this booze exist? Like, oh, okay, well, we can, we can throw them a bone in this particular direction. Uh, anyway, so, so how about a similarly restricted duping mechanic for food and drinks? Make it hard to use, costly, and limited in daily use or having a limited lifespan. Uh, I think it would be possible to keep the items rare but stop them from leaving the game entirely. Hell, make it an item of the month that can be used in AC a couple times a day. What's AC? Aftercore. Oh, okay. I would donate the hell out of that. I would donate all over that like it was Jake's my Hey! Uh, finally, what about an item of the month that allowed us to visit old closed zones for X adventures per day? <sighs> you know, people often talk about that whole zoo, whatever thing, museum of old zones. Yeah. I don't know how I feel about that. Like, I, I get why people want it, I guess. But it... Didn't we don't it? tend to take stuff that is, like really awesome out of the rotation mm. right I mean so I'm a little uh, you know I'm a little sad to have lost all of the Valhalla tech so that should go in there somewhere right like that that just stuff that you're doing up there yeah um, but the other stuff I mean like you know uh, there's no point in for example like the Krimbo stuff being made available again because that 
was kind of designed to be entertaining for a couple of weeks and be part of this little story and then go away. And it, I don't think it, I don't think it's re, it has that replayability. Yeah, and, and, and I think it makes it more special if it's gone, right? I mean, you could read about it in the wiki. You can only you can only know it from hushed tones. I mean, I kind of wish you couldn't read about it in the wiki, right? Yeah. And like, because the the wiki makes it very difficult for us to reuse jokes. You know, yeah. like the trifecta of pain. Right. It doesn't make it difficult for us to reuse jokes. Like, like we're ever going to run out of jokes. That's the day that we run out of cool. And that's not a day that's going to happen. Eric writes, make consumption records slash discovery scores public for profiles slash signatures. You started to answer last time and got distracted before reading it. Hey, what's that thing over there? <clears throat> That was a joke about how I got distracted again. Oh, right, yes. Uh, I thought that consumption records were public. I thought that if you were looking at another player and you clicked on their favorite food, that you could see... No, maybe that's only yourself. I don't know why I thought you could do that for other people. Okay, so if you click on your favorite food, you can see it for you, but you cannot see it for other people. Hmm. I've apparently eaten 111 white Citadel burgers, Mr. Skullhead. That is a surprising number. Um, huh. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I wonder what that does i mean it's another thing like do you think that that's another thing that people would want the ability to hide apparently it was edited because of kim jong-il at some point spencer b says what has been the best-selling item of the month i don't actually know of all time uh because we didn't start tracking that data until i don't know four years ago uh and it's possible that something before that sold better than anything else um i remember seeing we at least had logs where I could look at it in the same place that I do now. Because I remember seeing the Astral Badger's first couple of days sales, and they were ridiculous. Yeah, I wonder that if one was still, pretty crazy. Was I like think 7, some of the June nights have outdone that since then. I don't know, maybe that's because it's the first time, but I just remember going, God damn, 7,000 of those in a day. I don't, I don't think that has ever happened. It was. It was like six thousand nine hundred and seventy something. In the, in a day. In a, yeah, for the first day. Because that seems that seems crazy. I mean, because that's like that is a yeah. I don't know. It was ridiculous. That was when we all got raises. <laughs> it's like, well, holy shit. Yeah, that's yeah. An awful I guess lot that's of money. I guess that's true. That that did the the first time we were ever like, hey, we should make a familiar that makes some extra money, and then uh, okay, well, not worried about coming up with the money for Comic Con anymore. I think a lot of that, like, that ate up a tremendous number of Mr. A's that were out in the wild, too. Mm. Right? They're, they're, it, 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 is, it is weird the extent to which, that, like, last December, terrible sales, great for donations. Right? Because a lot of people were donating for Mr. A's to sell to open Crimbopolis. Mm. Right? And so it's, it, is, it is weird the way that those will sometimes fail to correspond in weird ways. I don't know how well last month... You, you had mentioned it not being super great, but then I looked at it and I was like, yeah, that looks about right. It was just that it slowed down in the, the like middle of the month slump was deeper and longer. 
mm. than we usually see. And harder and faster. And... Right. It's hard to talk Man. about that without talking about specific numbers, but they seem yeah. kind of low. It I, looks I heard... like the chest is doing pretty well out the gate. That's cool. That's cool. Uh, what, you know what I heard? I heard some... It was in some movie. What movie did I watch? Oh, I watched The Hangover 2. Huh. Did you see the first one? No. Do you, were you just not interested in it at all? Yeah, not really. It seemed like the what I feared it would be was pretty much borne out by what people said it was. Just, oh yeah. I don't know what I what that means. It, it didn't look like I would enjoy it that much. Uh, what is it about it? I know, right? I don't know. It just no, I'm saying, what, dumb, what is it? What but, is it about it? Like what? What? Like, like what was your thought process in thinking I don't want to see that movie? I just kind of that looks kind of dumb and even though I know like Zach Galifianakis is a pretty funny guy it's just the it looked like kind of an Apatow knockoff maybe mm. with that was gonna have a lot of jokes about poop yeah a lot of gross out stuff the second one I don't know maybe maybe it was because I've been on a ball of stress but it stressed me out watching the second one mm. it was like it made me nervous like it was I, I think, and I, you know, I was, I was talking to the lady after this, and I was like, wow, that was really dark and tense compared to the first one. And she's like, uh, not really. And then sort of like remembered a lot of things about the plot of the first one that I hadn't remembered. But this one, it was, it was difficult to watch. Like it was funny, but in between the funny, it was just like, you know, that, that kind of movie that I think of as, as having come out. Uh, a lot of these movies came out like in the sort of late 90s and I think it was kind of a response to Tarantino's success where it was just like here's some really violent movies where a whole bunch of really horrible shit happens to people uh-huh. for an hour and a half it felt like that uh-huh. and and I think also the fact that it was the fact that it w- took place in Bangkok instead of Las Vegas made it the, the sort of intense alienness of the place made it a lot more because it's like you know things that are going to ruin your relationship happen in vegas things that kill you happen in bangkok right one right? night and, one night in bangkok it makes a hard man humble yeah uh yeah i don't actually know anything about bangkok i know that it's a good excuse to whack people in the nuts apparently mm, right right uh, and slug bug is a good uh, excuse to punch somebody in the car. Right. Ow, he punched me in the car. Uh, WVO Quinn says, thanks for the moon story, guys. I'm impressed that you ended the thread that started five or six years ago when we saw the hatch on the moon through the observatory telescope. Did you have this whole pork elf saga planned out then, or were you leaving things open for yourselves? This also makes me wonder if you guys have a behind-the-scenes world book detailing the history and mythos of the kingdom. I wouldn't have thought you did, but it seems like you might. No... <laughs> I mean, well, we knew, we do. right? Like the the world book is called the Cold Front Wiki and our imagination. Yeah, I mean, we we joke about the codex that is only revealed as we turn the pages. Uh, but you know, I put that thing on the moon because I it it seems natural that everywhere. Okay, so like we're going to be continuing to work on this creative project for we hope twenty years, right? Right. Everywhere that we can go with it, we will eventually have to in an infinite universe of possibilities, right? Um, and so, 
you know, I put that thing on there thinking like, oh, you know, let, let's just put let's put like a Cydonia on on Ronald or whatever. And that's what we'll do someday. You know, that was it. That was like a potential level 14 quest. Hmm. Right. If if we were ever to do an NS15. Um, but, you know, this this is how it fell out. This is this is how we ended up doing it. Um, I don't know. Had you been had you been kicking that idea around for some period of time or like we always we always we start talking about what we're going to do for the June familiar and then you we all think uh Dante's Inferno nope 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 too much of that already and then we come up with something else like I like I guess I can ruin some people's day by saying that I had no idea there was a hatch on the moon cool at all it wasn't a hatch I mean it was it was a a, thing it, it was a blurred out thing that looked like a zone is what it was. What it was meant to look like was a thing on the moon that had some text over it that was too far away for you to see. Ah, yeah, yeah. Um, so it was just a zone on the moon is, is the, the, the foreshadowing there. And I mean, we didn't even, we didn't, NS 13 wasn't even a glim, a glimmer in anybody's eyes, a gleam in anybody's scrotum. Uh, when we did the observatory stuff, I don't think. What it was is I've been kicking around, like, since playing Bioshock, which is not set in space, but, and then thinking about Mass Effect and all the Space Marine games and movies, I've been thinking about doing something like that. So, like, it could be in a big spaceship or something, but what if the elves who sailed out of the world in Lord of the Rings, like, sailed into space instead? Right. It's like, okay, well, they landed on the moons. Like, then what happened? Well, the comet hit Grimace. And that kind of fucked their shit up royal, and there we go. That's what you can set right when you go up there. And they're never coming back. I, I don't feel like we have. I don't feel like we have a responsibility to the pork elves uh-huh. <laughs> to to really keep them as part of things. Should we need them? Yeah. Yes. Should we need yep. them? They're always there. Um. Y- you know, I've uh, like uh, I have a handful of projects. You know, like finishing the sea. I have an idea of where I want to go with that, and then there's some stuff that that spirals out from that into the future. Um, and so there are there are some things that I that I would say, like if if Scully or if Riff came to me and said, "Hey, I want to work on a thing that's like got this setting," I'm like, "No, no, no, I like I'm saving that setting for something." Uh-huh. But there's not there's very little of that going on the moons were the moons were a thing that i had you know like oh we'll do something with the moons in the future but like uh, it is i'm just as content to let somebody else decide what we do with the moons in the future and also i mean there's always the dark sides of the moon exactly right like there's a wall there and uh in between them is not the hamburger but a a division bell Hmm, i could see that you know, you you were talking about wanting to go for that sort of exploration and reveal of the story thing, that feeling that you got from Bioshock. And I kind of like I wonder I wonder what that feels difficult to me in this context because everything is kind of so random access. Yeah, right. it struck me afterwards that you can't force those journals to hit in order. Well, you could. I mean, it's... You could. But they'd have to right. be non-combats instead. 
No, you could. We could probably have done some kind of some kind of complicated conditional on it. Like it, it was. It would have been a line of code that was difficult to conceive of and difficult to read, but it would have been a line of code. I think. Uh-oh. You know, because it, it, it could just increment a flower. Oh, you know, actually, we have we have things for item drops now that, like, we we can make it so. Stuff looks like item drops. That we can have arbitrary code run at the point where items would drop. Right. So yeah, that's that's a tool I think that we would have had at our disposal if we had thought of it. But at the same time, it's still. The I, I mean, what our game can't do very well is in combats really put you in a physical space. Yeah. Without a whole bunch of text, so you can't have that. Like, I walk into a room. And this audio starts playing, and it's telling me this story, and then I get attacked by some guy. Yeah. Bioshock was really good at that. Yeah. Bioshock 2, I did not stick with. I never finished Bioshock. Oh, yeah? I really enjoyed it, but there came a part where I was getting killed over and over again. I was like, okay, well, I'm pretty sure I, I've, you know, hey, Adam, tell me what the twist is at the end. And then... <laughs> What were you playing it on? Xbox. Oh, wow, really? Yeah. I thought you disliked the two-stick first-person shooter model. I do. Or have you gotten used to it? Well, I do, and that was a thing that was that was interesting about Bioshock, that it didn't bother me as much. Also, I, hmm. had, I had discovered the motion sickness bracelets before oh, yeah. that came out, so I could sit and play it for an hour instead of 20 minutes at a time. But I think also Portal. Playing Portal with the WASD and the mouse got me thinking of, like, thinking about the controlling different parts of the body with different hands. Oh, so you you dislike those first-person shooters and not because you were used to WASD and mouse, but because you were unused to first-person shooters, period? Right. Oh, okay. That makes a lot more sense. Like, I... I, ex- I split company with first-person shooters while they were still just the arrow keys. Right. And a fire key. You know, like Hexen was the last one that I played. Right, which I think you couldn't... That was still at the point where you couldn't even look up and down. You could look up and down, but it was... I think like a shift in arrows or something. Mm. It yeah, certainly wasn't a mouse thing. But then playing Portal was like, oh, so like the, this mouse is my head, and I can just turn my head and walk like a person. That's awesome. Right, like, and being able to strafe is just huge mm-hmm. for a first-person shooter, right? Like, not having to, oh, every time I go around a corner, I get killed. Oh, right, because I'm supposed to walk around the corner sideways with guns blazing, you know? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, but, like, it, it is a little weird, right? Like, I think that the way that people, the, the only time anybody has ever complimented anything I've done on the story aspects of it was Spooky Raven, where I kind of buried them in those choice adventures in the library, uh-huh. right? And just wrote a bunch of stuff that kind of explained the stuff that was going on elsewhere in the house that you could have seen without reading those things. I think I didn't let, I think you can't back out of those choice adventures. I think you have to read them all. You, if, if you get that choice adventure, you have to read something, yeah. which is not a thing that I would do now, I don't think. Somebody asked, I don't remember if this was a radio bugbear question or whatever, but was it an accident that there are, like, 
there are choice adventures that you can't back out of without spending a turn. Is that an oversight or a, a design choice? And I was like, there didn't used to be any choice adventures that you could back out of without spending a turn. Yeah. Right. I mean, that was more of like, this is a way to put in something for people that want it without it interfering with people who don't want it. Wasn't the first time we did that to stop people complaining about getting, having like torso awareness slowing them down? By I don't know if that was the first time. That, that was, we definitely used, we took some non-combats and converted them to choices that you could skip because of that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I don't remember, I don't know. I, I, I'd be curious to see, like, just flipping through that table, seeing what the first one was where there was a, where I coded take turn equals false. Um, it's interesting. It's interesting to think about though, like how the, the way in which we present story when the player is coming at this stuff, because I always, this always comes up. Like I don't think of KOL as being a game that has story in it. Uh Like I think of it as a game that has a tremendous amount of setting, but no story. Mm -hmm. Um, but I mean, that's clearly not the case, right? Like that, that, you know, you, any sequence of events retold is a story, I mm. guess. It's, I think it's mostly in the items of the month, like the June items that we do narrative, though. The Crimbo, like, certainly. I mean, I think, I think it is, it is mostly in the things that you are the helmsman of that we do it is I think where I'm getting, although I guess there's a bunch of story in the stuff that riff does too. Yeah. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm the one who doesn't think of it as being a story. And that's why I think it's because though you have the, the native skill at devising game mechanics to where you can go, okay, this is just going to be some really hard and interesting fights and the monsters are going to be kind of funny and you know based on some references and based on some cool stuff but the real draw here is going to be that these fights are going to be challenging to a player whereas i go i have no idea how to challenge these people so i'll entertain them i'll make a fight like two crimbos ago where all you can do is lose and get told a story and some people like that and some people don't i think having both of those in the game makes it a richer experience Sure. Yeah, no, I, I I absolutely do too. It, it's weird to me. I mean, I think I just as a result of having worked with you for so long, I'm getting better at looking back at stuff and figuring out which one of us wrote it. Like an individual sentence, maybe not, but a bit of content, certainly. Yeah. Um, and I, I'm curious as to whether or not you know, like it was like I said about the the. I was into dividing up tasks between us there for a while, like the choose your own adventure that we each wrote a third of, and right. the sandworm that we each wrote a third of. Um, it like it seemed to me like it was very clear which of us did which part of that, and I wonder if to the average player it ever occurred to them. Yeah, it is like yours was kind of tricky mechanic that was fun to figure out. Riffs was hellacious puzzle with some story to it. And mine was like almost entirely story and references to other stuff. One of these days uh, one of these days I'm gonna make somebody cry. That's my goal. I, I wanna touch somebody. I wanna do a bad touch. <clears throat> I really liked like I there were a handful of people that complained about that fight at Crimbo that you couldn't win. Yeah. But I really, really liked that. 
you know, I, like I think it's a thing that you do once, right? I mean, yeah. you, you don't want to. It's all, but it's also like, something that there's a there's a pretty solid lineage of. This looks like a fight, but it's really a cutscene. That's yeah. something I've seen even in my limited video game experience. You've been playing any video games lately? Speaking of which, yeah, I played Epic Mickey for a good twenty minutes. Yeah. The first. Try- the first time that I had to kill an enemy, the tutorial went, okay, this is how it works. Point at him and either do this to draw on him or do this to erase him. I was like, okay, I point at you and push a button. Nothing happens. I do that 12 more times, then you kill me. Because the like, where the target reticle is doesn't seem to matter based on how far away the guy is from you or something. Huh. But just could not get the the core mechanic to actually work, and that's kind of retarded. Yeah. Also, it was a little bit like playing Mario sixty four at half speed, where you have this guy that can't run and this camera that can't keep up with him somehow. <laughs> the the camera was definitely like the worst part of that. The the fact that you would jump and just have no fucking idea where you were gonna land, hmm. and, you know, in a puzzle platformer. It's not really puzzle platformer, I guess. Although it was pretty, it was kind of puzzly. And we figured this out a long time ago, right? How to have a sense of space in a that third-person view, like jumping platformer. It's been done, and it's been done well. Like, there's no excuse for after Mario Galaxy not knowing how to fucking do that. Yeah. Well, I was gonna say, well, that you're on the Wii, but you're after Mario Galaxy. I mean, it's yeah. Although even like God of War. I quit playing the first God of War when I got into Hades and there was a fucking jumping puzzle at a place where you can't move the camera so you can't really see how far away the thing is that you're jumping to and it really depends on finding which of these is close enough to jump to. It's like, okay, this game just told me it doesn't want me to play it anymore. Yeah. I'm happy to oblige. See, it lost me at the point where it makes you have sex with women. Yeah, that was rough. I just pretended that they were jumping on the bed. Okay. And that's why the vase broke. Mm-hmm. Uh, WVO Quinn also writes, It's the third content familiar in a row with space content. This is your way of expressing the fact that you wish KOL was a space game, right? I think it's our way of acknowledging that maybe we'll never make a space game. <laughs> <laughs> right. We're just, uh, if we sync enough content, that every time we do that, we can feel more authoritative in saying, no, we really kind of mind that within KOL. I wouldn't call it Game Grid a space. Like, it, I guess Space Trip was space-ish, but that wasn't a, like, making jokes about sci-fi so much as talking about that one game, right? Yeah, I mean, it was, you know, it was making a handful of jokes about sci-fi, I guess, but it was, yeah, I mean... Yeah, uh-huh. I don't, you know, I yeah, that that's the thing, right? Like, what were you trying to say with Space Trip? Uh, here's a game, right? Enjoy like, it. Yeah, like, uh, yeah, I wanted to make one of my games an homage to Star Control Two, right? Mm. It, was a, it was a it was a love letter. Uh, I mean, so of the games in there, almost all of them are space games, right? Like, there's Metroid, which is a you know, I mean, it's Mario, but it's Space Mario. Right. Right. There's Demon Star, which is Sinistar, which is out in space. And there's Space Trip. 
and then the fighting game, and then yeah, so like three fifths, three fifths of the games are space games. It would have been would have been half. And two th- or one third of the last one was had some parts of it that were space related. Yeah, I I think though that because there was so much more to your part of it than, uh, well, I don't know actually. Not to riffs is pretty huge. Yeah, mine was mine was small. Simple, I think there were probably more items in it than there were in in Yuga's parts. Yeah, um, it was very linear. But yeah, it was my, mine. Was definitely like there was the least to it. Um. Anyway, uh, I'm sad that this is the first content familiar with drops that aren't consciousness expanding drugs. Video game tokens count. Well, it, it, I mean. This lets you go to the moon, man. What the transponder does is it goes into your brain and fixes something so you can see the transporter booth. Yeah, it opens the doors of perception. Yeah, It's basically LSD, but in an electric form. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, His fourth question, I think we could have a discussion about, but let's let's take a break first. All right. We'll be back in about 15. And we're back. Hi, how's it going? Uh, you told me exactly how long it was going to be, and yet I still had a mouthful <laughs> of hot tea when uh, we came back in. You had a mouthful of a hottie? A mouthful of hottie, yeah. Uh, I'm hoping that'll cure what ails me, which is whatever the fuck is going on with my goddamn sinuses, goddammit. Have you tried a neti pot, or do you scorn it? Uh, you know, yesterday, yesterday, I the, so our, our Indian friend uh, who's in town... He recommends, uh, and this is what he does every once in a while, is you just uh, drink a glass of salt water through your nose. Uh-huh. And I was like, can you show me how to do that? And he's like, yeah. And he did it, and I'm like, eh, that doesn't help. I'm not doing that. Right. And I did, so I didn't try it. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. I, like, I feel like that's the kind of thing that would help me, but also just getting that goddamn surgery to correct my deviated septum I think would make a lot of these problems go away. Yeah. Or I would die from the anesthesia. Exactly. That that's generally what happens. Yeah. Um I don't know, man. Why am I so scared of be- I have I have never in my life been administered a, a general anesthetic. Hmm. Neither have I. Have I you haven't I I mean they they wanted to put me out for my wisdom teeth and I was like, no. Uh, they wanted to give me that stuff that they normally give you for uh, when I had a colonoscopy, but I wouldn't let them. Right. Um, you know, and those are both things that you can do without the anesthetic. You know, like yeah. Uh, I think actual real surgery, they don't they don't want you fucking around watching them. <laughs> right. and, you know, like oh, we'll just give him some nitrous and take his appendix out. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know if a neti pot would help this. It's like there's. It's like. It's like I stuck a wire up my nose and swallowed it uh, just into the back of my throat, right? So it's imagine I took a wire, ran it from my nose to my to where it was just sticking down into my throat, and then that wire got red hot and just burned a channel down one nostril all the way to my throat. Oh yeah, I get that occasionally. That's how my sinuses feel. Yeah, and it'll be fine. You know, I I went to bed. And I woke up and it felt okay, but then midway through the day, it's just hurts and. <sighs> I think you should overcome your distaste or, or your fear of developing a dependency on a humidifier. Well, I've been using it for the last few days. Oh, okay. 
Very well. A lot of the time what stops me now is I look at the humidifier and it, the tank is almost empty. And I think, huh, do I want to get out of bed and carry that the 12 feet to the bathtub and <laughs> refill it? No, nah, I'd rather just go to sleep. Um, but, you know, if I remember to fill it up before I get in bed, I'm a lot more likely to be okay with it. I don't know um, what to tell you, man, because I now take the... I take a nasal steroid twice a day. And just every every day? Like, you, is it an over-the-counter yeah. thing, or is it the thing that you've been prescribed? No, a prescription. I think it's Flonase. I, I get the generic, so it's Bufflaxamaxaraxacraxin. <laughs> Razenfraxin, I think it is. Yosemite Sam prescribed it to me. But uh, And I take an over-the-counter allergy, and I do a neti pot every day, and I've still just had a fucked-up face for, like, a year. Oh, wow, you've, you've actually taken to doing the neti pot? Yeah. How is that? Know. Is it horrible? I didn't think that it was. Um, I just read on the instructions that you're supposed to keep your mouth open and kind of bend your head down until it's almost like your nose is pointing at the sink. Mm-hmm. And if you do that, then you don't get any salt water in your throat, really. So it is just kind of a, like, it's a really bizarre feeling when it comes into your nostril and then starts to go out the other one, because stuff normally doesn't ha- do that, but right. I got used to it pretty quick. Feels good. Then you blow your nose and, like, things go squeak and pop all through your head, and then suddenly you can hear. Oh, that's cool. I, uh, one thing that I had been told is that, that people, a lot of people recommend against doing it every day. Like they say that if you, if it's a thing that you like only do every once in a while when you think you're getting a cold or when you like got a lot of shit in there, uh-huh. that it's, that it's much more effective than if you get used to doing it. Cause it's like, you know, you're not, you're not like supposed to have stuff flowing in and out of there. Right. But well, I don't, yeah. So I don't, I don't mucus, know. Sure. Well, the problem is, like, every day, pretty much, I wake up with a headache because my nose is just completely impacted. So, yeah. That sucks, man. Well, I mean, is it just allergies for you? Is that what they say? I don't know, man. What I need, I really just should go to an actual specialist and not to the guy at the urgent care who will punch buttons on a computer until it tells him to give me more medicine. Right. Do you, have you not found, like, a family doctor that you like? I think with our new insurance, I can. No. Oh. But before, they're just, they're kind of, the doctor thing here works kind of strangely and different from the way it does in Arizona. So now with mm. this, this plan is familiar with the way that Arizona, the, with uh, the way that our insurance works and like people here have heard of it so they can tell Ooh. me whether or not they're going to be accepted. So yeah shouldn't have the problems that I had before. I just it's been a remarkable source of comfort to me to have found a doctor that I like. Uh. You know, and that I have like a good rapport with and that I can talk to about stuff. Like it that that has just made such a huge difference in my probably not in my health, but in my opinion of my health. I can feel You know, that. just like I there is a guy, okay, there's something weird going on. I can go talk to this guy and say, "Hey, there's something weird going on. Is this a big deal?" He's like, "Nope." And then he'll actually back that claim up and that ass. You know, old white guy. Yeah. So you know you can trust him. Exactly. <clears throat> it was a young guy. The guy who told me about the deviated septum, he's like, oh, yeah, yeah. 
He's like, when I asked you if you had trouble breathing through your nose and you said no, uh, you only said that because you don't know what it's like for normal people to breathe. Wow. Like, oh, okay. Uh, he was younger than me. First oh. time I've ever been to a doctor that was younger than me. Yeah, boy, I don't like that. Freaked me out a little bit. Like, there was a dude that came over when Ollie's great-grandpa bought him a life insurance policy, and this, like, insurance agent came over, and he, like, fit comfortably into that category of people who are grown-ups with real jobs, right? And towards the end of our meeting, he said, oh, yeah, I'm 31 and got a wife and kids. Like, oh. Huh. Yeah, you know that's one of those things that's just going to get worse and worse as more time goes by. I love seeing the uh, I love seeing the Mormon kids with name tags that are like Elder Smith. Like, <laughs> come, come on, you don't get to just you don't get to call nineteen year olds elders. You, you don't get to do that yeah, unless you're in the Children of the Corn <laughs> town. You can say whatever you want about like you know, oh, you know, like have multiple wives and we all get a planet when we die and wear this magic underwear that. Whatever, man. Believe whatever you want. But you cannot call a 19-year-old elder. <laughs> call him Deacon. You know? Like, yeah, call, call him Bishop. Ishmael. Uh, so WBO Quine says, Scully mentioned on the forums that the item was late because he made some assumptions that Dev had to fight over and some assumptions about coding. Can you guys go over what these issues were that you had to hash out in the last four days? I think it would be interesting. So yeah, we got we got in a big fight about this. Um so the the general story is that we had this event going on that so the event was late because of the previous item of the month um, taking up more of my time than I was hoping that it would so that it took me longer to get the last bits of the Valhalla revamp ironed out and like by the time we were done running that event like that was super fun it was one of the most rewarding sort of weeks of work that I can remember uh, but I was fucking wiped out. So I was like, guys, I think that we should do the content familiar in July instead of in June because I am just beat. And we've got Comic-Con here followed by Memorial Day weekend. So we are unlikely to get that sort of like last mile. That, that the, the I don't know why I didn't just say, well, okay, instead of doing this item of the month, next month we could just say that it's going to be late to begin with i don't know why i wasn't willing to just do that you know, you know i don't remember though you saying that you wanted to do the uh, the content item in july i think you were saying to me it sounded like you were saying let's just not do a content item because then we'll be busy with comic-con and san diego and i was like oh man we can't let that tradition yeah die. okay i mean maybe you know i could be i could be retconning myself to there, there's I think what what caused a lot of the a lot of the big fight between us was me like historically you will and this is a this is a great thing about our relationship you will push me to do shit that I don't want to do and that is that has been responsible for some of the greatest things that we've accomplished as an organization right like I have gotten better at drawing because you make me draw a bunch of shit that I'm not comfortable drawing. And then I'm like, right. oh, okay, well, I figured out how to do that, or whatever. Like, I was I, like, I was depressed when I read the monster descriptions for this one, man. <laughs> I'm like, how? Uh. And, uh, you know, I, like, it turned out kind of okay. I think that the cat dog is, like, the worst thing I have ever drawn. Like, I think that is old white snake level looks like something that a baby would draw. 
Well, to but, me, it looks like the there's a cartoon character, Cat Dog. And yeah. It, it looks like that, so yeah, that's fine. I've never seen that. I should sue them for stealing my idea. Yeah. Anyway, so I was like... I don't want to do this content miller, and you know maybe I maybe I didn't say let's do it in July. Maybe I didn't think let's do it in July. Maybe I'm maybe I'm just wrong about my my process there. But um, you were like, no, no, come on, we should do it anyway. And I was like, all right, well, you got to do the whole thing though, if if we're doing it. And you were like, okay. And then that was where the like sort of unclear expectations thing came in, right? Because what what I think I wanted this one to be was we had talked about how, and we we talk about this all the time, right? Like we have this tendency to make things take slightly more time than we have by introducing a lot of new stuff where we could probably get away with not introducing a lot of new stuff. And I think that the vision I had for this thing was an item of the month that could be done just in the spindlers, Mm -hmm. right? That you could have just done from start to finish. And then what our part of it was, was instead of what usually happens – which is you do all the writing and then we make the modifications to the stuff that you've designed that make it easier to code. We code it up. We do whatever. Like These things are not often playable until very, very close to the end, right? Right. Because a lot of the gaps that get filled in are gaps that occur fairly early in the arc of actual play. Yeah. Um, and so before Comic-Con, I like I uh, made it so you could start playing through the thing so you'd be able to see where the gaps were and fill in all of the gaps while I was away at Comic-Con. But then I didn't really tell you that I had done that. You put it in a message with three or four other things. That and was my, my brain processed them in reverse order, I guess. So like what I when I said I'm going to do this whole thing, what I thought was... The hard things to do are figuring out the shape of it, figuring out the mechanics of it, figuring out the puzzles, and, you know, that's what other guys do in addition to writing. So if I can just get it so that I can explain step by step how you can play through it, and I can do all the spindle work, then that's what Zach's looking for. But what Zach was looking for was to come in and click a button and play through my quest, and then when you couldn't, you thought that there was less there than there was and started yeah, to, I, yeah, to build sure. it again. And so that, we duplicated is... a lot of work, and that was unfortunate. Right. I, the, I think part, part of what I'll are sort of... Like, the changes that I made to the stuff that you had written, I don't think created as much additional work as you felt like they did. Sure. Because um, I don't know, because like, you, clearly. You you had you had originally it, like so like the Plinko thing was a bunch of Chris's time that I could not actually do. Yeah. Right. Like if it had fallen to me to implement that part of it, you know, the other thing was like the, the other thing was that like nobody wanted to work over the holiday weekend, right? Yeah. I mean, it like I was at Comic Con, but then after I got back from Comic Con, instead of going in, I fucked around and played video games all day without even looking at where things were, right? So that was that was just wrong. That was the wrong thing to do. And maybe I needed the break, but, sure. like, I couldn't afford the break. I did ask about the Plinko game. 
<laughs> yeah, no, I know, I know. And we figured and, and it's, that was the thing. And again, I overestimated the amount of extra work that that was. I was like, oh, God, this fucking Plinko thing, man. And Chris was like, well, you know, it really only took like six hours. I'm like, well, uh, okay, that's that's less of a big deal than I thought it was. The difference was, um, though, is what I should have been doing in the time that you were at Comic-Con, what you wanted me to do, and had I known I could have, is just say, Chris, let's finish that part up, and then go okay, hot stuff, we need to look at the enchantments on this gear, and dev, we need to look at the enchantments on this gear. Yeah. Because that was, like, I feel like the en- enchantments on the gear and the procedure for them to work was what took a whole lot of that time. It was. And, and it was and a giant hole that, to me, like, I was like, oh, we'll just throw some stuff in there, because that's not the important part of this thing. Yeah, that is, that is a and thing totally that seems was. like a unit of work, but it is... It is a it is a drag to yeah. do that stuff. For, I mean, the discussion a, about those enchantments was still going on despite our both of our best intentions. Like yeah. at rollover, we're like seriously, guys. And th- so part of part of I think what made me so frustrated when I showed up that day, that Tuesday is like okay, you know this is why I, it is it is easy to say well what we should have done is started on this two weeks earlier and then we wouldn't be up against our deadline on this, right? Mm-hmm. And that is a very easy thing to say and basically an impossible thing to do, right? right? It, it, the, the way that we operate. Like, when I, I got there and there was like, I think the thing that made it so I was just like upset about it instead of, instead of, all right, what, what needs to be done in order to get this to happen is that there was like this very, very early thing where nobody had decided how the actual transponder worked, <laughs> right? But like, we did, though. We talked about that, and it was just, this pulls down a space elevator. We talked about it on on the call two weeks previous. And yeah. said it pulls down this physical thing, and I figured Zach can decide where that goes, and that's a quick thing to decide. You yeah. Know, you and can I think, put it you, wherever you, know, you think and, it fits. And you're, and you're right, but it, it what what ended up happening was I spent like the entirety of Tuesday getting those early bits of it. Yeah, like, to, to be fair, if you were looking for something that you were going to play through it until you saw something that was broken, boy howdy. <laughs> yeah, you, no, I, I did. Right away did. you saw something that, yeah, and you could have, you definitely can be forgiven for thinking that there wasn't anything there at all. Sure. My... There were things uh, you know, that I could have thrown into the spindlers that I didn't, like, it occurred to me, like, facepalm after our conference call, I could have put monsters into zones, I can do that. I could put drops on monsters. Why didn't yeah, I do it? Yeah, th- the thing is, you know, you, know, you, I normally don't have you do that stuff, right? And I think this, to me, this was more of a, alright, so do the things that you know how to do and learn how to do some stuff that you don't know how to do and do it. But I didn't actually tell you to do any of those things, right? It was just kind of like I had it set up in my head like, all right, all right, okay, okay. This is under control. I can do all this other stuff and not not sweat this at this point. Because I kind of didn't have any choice, right? But It's like the next time that I, I do an item of the month all by myself, it'll go a lot smoother, I feel. You know, what you did do is, like, you coded those mazes, which is awesome. Yeah, like, I attribute that entirely to my having designed that scripting language. So it's it's so simple that even a writer can use it. Exactly. Um, 
and you know you 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 found some features that were missing from it you requested them you got them you got them implemented like that you know it was it was a good process it it was slower than i wanted it to be and timed differently than i wanted it to be and that was that was where all of the angst came in um so on the on the wednesday conference call uh jake came in and said why isn't the item of the month finished and i had been like i did this whole thing and there were times where i didn't know what i should do next and instead of asking somebody i just made the call like he's gonna be so pleased when he gets back and so i was so shocked that I got angry, which made you angry, and we we screamed at each other, uh, people in Radio Land, for a good hour and a half, and uh, hung up. With and then very the, little the conversation results. also did not resolve because the guy finally showed up to fix my air conditioner, which had been broken for the last ten days, which had done <laughs> nothing to improve my mood. And you know, I understand you also like some of the work process in the word game has broken down in ways that seemed very similar to the way this process was breaking down. And so it was like, God damn it, why can't anybody do anything? Yeah, and, you know, I, that, that, was, that was me being melodramatic. And, you know, I, <clears throat> I don't know if you know this, Mr. Skullhead, but I'm not a super emotional guy. Nah. Um, you're, so, you know. you're very emotional when it comes to shame and anger. Yeah, that's that's true. That's true. Those are you are those are ones I I got down. You're in the fuck touch with those emotions. Like as I get older, uh, I find that that's me too. So <laughs> cool. Uh, well, I mean, you know, I used to be in touch with such emotions as you know love and joy, but then those always would result in in suffering and disappointment and humiliation, which then led to shame and anger. So I'm like, why don't I just cut cut out the middleman and the front man? I'll, I'll cut out the lead. And I figure that, you know, mine is uh, the emotions that I can very easily get in touch with are uh, affronted melodrama and uh, we, You know, so. like, I, we, we, neither of us were at our best during that argument, I think. I mean, you know, it I'm was, it, superbly glad that we can do that because we got to do it with somebody. So at yep. some point, you need somebody that you can just yell and scream at who a couple of days later is not still dragging around about it, you know? A lot of that I'm going to attribute to the fact that we're dudes, right? Yeah. I mean, that's the thing. Like, we don't get to work out... We don't get to work out the the issues that creep up between us by, like, beating each other up or playing touch football and being a little too rough or whatever. Touch football. <laughs> yeah. This is, how, this is how out of touch I am with what normal men do. Uh, you know, like, flag tag. We don't, we don't get to... We play bad touch football. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, the, the capital of Thailand comes into into play quite a bit. So yeah, the the decisions that we're talking about are the like we talked about the consumables a lot. We talked about the gear. If you know, ev all of that made it way better. My initial plan was the two moon zones would be identical. They'd have the same twelve monsters in them. The only difference would be the proportion of the monsters would change via the mechanism that, that it does now instead of six on each moon. And yeah. the, and, the I mean, gear would have been that, breakable in like couldn't possibly turns. have known that made that awkward. Like, yeah. the if it is actually the same monster, and this is this is weird, there, there are a lot of things that ought to be normalized in our database that are not. Um, like, zones are there 
and zones contain a list of the monsters that are in the zone. And the monster contains the conditional for whether the monster shows up or not. Mm-hmm. And unless we do something weird, that conditional does not know which zone it's being encountered in. So if you have a monster in two different zones, the conditionals get really complicated if they need to be different, like responding to the moonlight of two different moons, for instance, right? Like if the chance of this thing not showing up in this zone depends on a different factor than it not showing up in this other zone, then it's weird. So, I mean, you know, luckily there were more than enough monsters to split them Mm -hmm. between the two moons, but it's like that was just a thing that had to be done. And And that's me thinking, like, this is way simpler than having them be two distinct zones. Oh, hearty har har. And you had written the... we Initially, there was a lot less going on. The isotopes only bought the gear, Uh and... Plinko on the moon just directly won the plushies, or did it? Did you get tickets that you traded for? That was a thing that had I been implementing it so that it could be played, I would have noticed that like I had put these plushies to be prizes for the Plinko, but they needed to have different prices on them, so it couldn't just be congratulations, you played Plinko and you get this thing. So that when I thought about it for a fraction of a second, went, oh, there needs to be... Okay, we'll just have some ticket system that you yeah. redeem and right in the, the, in the Plinko game. And the, the cafe just operated on meat, and so I, I was yeah. a little... And it was like a Crimbo-style cafe. It was an immediate consumption. Yeah, and the, and the thing about those is that they're, it, they are a great opportunity during Crimbo to guarantee sufficient turn counts for people to be able to play all the Crimbo content, no matter what their diet is, but that's kind of a, that's not a thing that should be in the wild all the time, mm. right? Like some days there is something that is worth buying in the Canadia Cafe, and some days there's something that's worth buying in the microbrewery, but almost never, <laughs> right? And mm. it's, those kind of have to be so underpowered that they might as well not be there in order to avoid being broken, and so, Instead of having like, all right, so up here, there's some stuff you buy with meat. There's some stuff you buy with isotopes. There's some stuff you buy with, with uh, these tickets. I just sort of changed everything to be bought with isotopes. And then you were mad because you felt like I came in, decided a bunch of things weren't done because I didn't read what you had written, and which is in a lot of the in a lot of cases very frequently true, right? Where you you are the only one of us who can read more than a paragraph of <laughs> right. text, right? Um, that's because I'm not reading them ebooks on my iPad. Yeah, yeah. How is it, you know, it seems like with the sort of constant level of bouncing around between different things that I've seen that you have to do in your day-to-day life, it would be just as hard for you to maintain any sort of attention span as it is for those of us who are just like, you know, constantly playing five different video games at once or whatever. I don't know how you do it. I don't know how I do it either. I remember you saying back in the day, by, by which I mean like maybe five years ago, that you found that if you if you managed to find like a half an hour a day to read, that it did amazing things for your ability to pay attention to things for sustained periods of time. Yeah, like I can feel my attention span expand and contract, for sure. And when it gets really short, I go, okay, I've been reading way too many like headlines on Metafilter. And I should click a link and read, like, a five-page article or something. Right. 
<clears throat> I, I find myself a lot of days, most of what I read is like the comments on Metafilter or uh, Slashdot. I don't, I wish that I could stop that. Like, I feel like I read the comments on Metafilter threads the way that other people read like gossip websites or, you know, look like, at pictures of car crashes. Yeah, yeah. To masturbate. Yes, exactly. But uh, it's, it's true, like, let's see. I was all, I was mad because I had been told that I didn't make any decisions. And I had, but, you know, some of them you didn't see. And some of them were just decisions that didn't work. So I still got in trouble for those, which kind of stung a little bit. But you were totally right to change them. Yeah, and I, you know, I was... But in the context of the larger, like, your expectations being so thoroughly routed, it makes sense that just every new thing you saw was a new pathway to rage and and you know i mean it was just it was just bad news it was it was a whole bunch of stress about a bunch of unrelated things coming out all at once just in a sort of fire hose pointed at you i know and you, I'm sorry. you saved I'm it sorry. for me and i feel special <laughs> that was great i'm sorry uh, for like the i'm sorry for at least the first eight times i told you to go fuck yourself on that call that's okay See, that's we, all right buddy we learn and we grow we do. Yeah, we do. We don't have to have some awkward silence in the middle of our drive out to California because Max FunCon is coming right the fuck up. By the way, yeah, it is, man. You're you're out here in like three days, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's gonna be fun. I think so. It's gonna be fun. I, gotta, I don't think any of us are in any of the classes together. No, which makes me sad. Who all's going? Uh, me, you, Roy, and Hot Stuff. Are we all in the same car? Uh, yeah. Uh, we're in my car, and uh, a bunch of luggage is in our trunk. Um, I don't remember how I divided the rooms up. They're like they're like these cabiny kind of things. Huh. Um, everybody gets their own bedroom, but they're in these suites that are That's probably cool. next to each other. I don't know. Okay. Um, it's gonna be fun though. It's gonna be fun. I gotta get me some uh, country estate outfit. Yeah, you got an outfit. I need to get one. I gotta get over to Savers or something. Do it. Um, you can also you can also raid my closet uh, when you get here if that helps at all. I don't. Think, I think you're a smaller. I think you're a little more willowy in figure than I am. Hey, you think? Yeah. I feel like a lot of the dress clothes I wear is stuff that I got from my dad, though, which you might be able to fit into those because he was kind of a fat dude. Yeah. I mean, my time at the gym has made me a stronger guy. Yeah. And a, a guy with a little better posture and maybe a little more muscle tone, but certainly not a skinnier guy. You don't think not even like size wise? No, like the the clothes fit the same. Huh. Maybe just a little tiny bit of like still can't fit into my old dress pants, which is my goal. I got I have a closet full of things that are two inches too small in the waist. That sucks. I that was that was one of the more satisfying things that has happened to me in my adult life was getting to where I could fit back into all of the clothes that I had gotten too fat to fit into. Yeah. Um, so it was suddenly like getting a whole new wardrobe and it's my wardrobe from five years ago. <laughs> so um, stylish. Yeah, exactly. Um, cause it's deceptive. Like if you, if you are like, you know, actually working out and lifting weights and stuff, you will often not lose weight because just a bunch of fat is being turned into muscle, which is yeah. heavier. I've yeah, dropped that's like, what I say. I've dropped like five pounds. Yeah. Well, but muscle. I mean, the, you're probably, that is less of an indication of the improvement in your body than you'd think. Yeah. Like, I bet, I bet you, you were, you were a strong motherfucker before. Oh, that's true. 
and just big. Just naturally like a strong dude. I don't know. So you got those short, powerful Smelling. muscles. Yeah, from the uh, from the waist down, I'm pretty strong. You gotta. I guess. I guess you get strong tossing a baby around. Yeah, I don't think that you know. I, I'm not trying to insult you in any way by saying that I don't think that being able to beat you at arm wrestling puts me anywhere in the running. I'm not sure that that's a that's a, a signifier of anything. Well, come on, buddy. <laughs> I, mean, I don't bench, know now bro? that you're all mountain climbing and shit. What do you bench, bro? What do you bench? I don't. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> the last time that I bench pressed anything was in high school, where I went into the gym on my first day, and some one of the fucking jock kids was in there in the high school gym. He's like, yeah, let's have a benching contest, dude. It's like, dude, this is my first day. I don't whatever so he puts like 200 pounds on and does 10 reps or the reps right mm-hmm. yeah and i think you do sets of reps yeah, of reps reps of sets the like representatives and senators and it i was only able to do like 10 senators with the 55 pound bar with no weights on it yeah and that was enough humiliation for me to say you know fuck free weights i can do this on this machine over here and it it doesn't judge me it doesn't even have like pounds on the one that the bench press it's just even numbers oh nice two four six eight and ten so i'm more i'm rocking about six it's like dress sizes <laughs> they're different everywhere it's a thing that girls understand do you understand free uh, weights? my wife just walked in do you understand free weights no i understand pavement failure was the sign that they had on the freeway neat yeah, it got so, uh, the weather twisted so violently in the past couple of days that it made, like, a fissure in the middle of the highway the leading to our house. Cracked. It's just, it's like, just cracked <laughs> down the middle in, in true, like, Roland Emmerich fashion. Is there really a sign that says pavement says failure? Pavement, pavement fa- failure. I wish I was not driving so I could have taken a picture of it, because it just said pavement failure. I mean, maybe what they meant was that Stephen Malcolm's new album didn't match up to the glory of his early days. Yeah. Yeah, the jicks. Those those guys are assholes. Mm. That's weird. We went into uh, the post office today to mail the stuff to Max Funcon, and the guy working at the post office randomly played KOL, uh, recognized my bugbear shirt, wow. figured out who we were, and I asked him how he found out about it, and he said, oh, I got that card in the goodie bag at Gen Con. So you like, are how the... the- fuck does that happen like right. <laughs> the guy at the post office a block from the office learns about the game through a thing that we put in the goodie bag at gen con did you tell him that you the office is right over there in case he wants to plant a bomb or something yes yes i did i mean he had the address right on the thing that we were sending like that's the the one guy you you don't really you can't really hide where you live from is the dude at the post office right right because otherwise nothing that you do gets there Crestoni writes, uh, could you guys please write a day-by-day blog on the developing of a future item of the month? You could release it to the public together with the item itself so we could read how you built it step-by-step. Step. I would love to read that. Uh, on that topic, please release more stuff that gives us the insight of behind-the-scenes KOL, like those scanned images of Crimbo stuff. Those were great. What scanned images of Crimbo stuff? Remember you scanned the whole sheet of paper that you drew all the parts of the elves and stuff on? Oh, yeah. And posted it? Yeah. You should watch the documentary. That gives insight on the behind-the-scenes stuff of KOL. I, mean, I, I am firmly in the crowd who actually chuckled with delight a couple of times when I saw the pictures that you drew for the elf stuff and showed them to my wife and was pleased. Oh, yeah? What About in what way? Well, that, like, 
oh my god, he fucking drew the hamster puss, and it it looks yeah really funny and awesome. Like oh this this, this episode. yeah okay. I thought you were still talking about some crimbo thing, and I didn't know what you were talking about. <clears throat> yeah, I actually used. It was weird. I had uh, I had ordered from Amazon one of those uh, one of those drafting template things with different sized circles on it uh-huh. uh, and really circle radiuses, and it arrived the day before I had to draw the paradise thing. So I had like exactly the right thing for drawing it. What was close enough to freehand that it didn't look like I used a compass, uh-huh. but but was still like you know close enough to a circle that it looked like a dome on a city. It's pretty yeah, cool. Because normally I just hope that the circles that I need to draw are like the size of a coin or a coaster. Right. Uh, and often we'll just make them work like that. Like each of the uh, each of the big moons was a KOL coaster, and the small moon was a quarter. Uh, well, that's good because you get you do get some irregularities in there too. Yeah, well, because I don't I don't trace it like by holding the pen against the object. I put the ob- I put the object down and then I just draw a circle around it so uh-huh. that there's there is still the irregularity in the line, um, and kind of the same thing. Like Roy uh, made me this light box that I've been getting a lot of use out of, uh, so I can put like graph paper behind the thing that I'm drawing and be able to make lines that are actually like perpendicular to one another, mm-hmm. which is a thing that I'm extremely bad at doing freehand. I think you should release the, uh, you should upload the art so that people can see the survivors with no ears, too. Oh, yeah. Because I wasn't going to say anything about that. It's like, you know what? These guys look really cool, and it doesn't matter that you can't see their elf ears. Like, they're clearly elves. It's fine. Right. And then you're like, oh, shit, I have all these ears, to, or a pair of ears that I can chuck on all of them that I had intended No, I had, I had drawn a whole bunch of ears, because I was like, ah, I'm just going to edit the ears onto these guys later, and then I just made them all and forgot about it. But it didn't was... take long. I didn't have to, like, reconstruct them. Because, like, edits like that, edits that are that simple, I can do in the finished version of the art. Mm-hmm. Um, more complicated edits I have to do before I shrink them. So that, they, like, the anti-aliasing that happens when I shrink the game art takes care of a lot of, like, single pixel irregularities that would otherwise look bad. Mm. Well, they would look bad to me. I don't know that anybody else would notice. That was a that was one thing that I did certainly right was not making you wait until I had written all the descriptions for all those items and monsters. You're just like put little placeholder. This is what this thing looks like, so you can draw. Yeah, it. that was that I very much appreciated because that like because you did that, I was able to get at least that big chunk of the work done before I went away to Comic Con. So that, it's always weird because people like Dev gets way way more excited about stuff when it has art. Yeah, and I know we've talked about this before. Like it is b- because when I am playing through some stuff, I can imagine what it would look like. Uh-huh. It doesn't need to look like anything for me to have a feel for how I think it's going to play. Um, but it's 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 just it's weird. I mean, I think that's why I have my job and everybody else has theirs. Is that that's not that's not a thing that other people can get enthusiastic about as easily. Cowman Bob wrote. CDM posted he would be furiously working on PvP stuff. With all the stuff you've got on your plate for the upcoming months and the history of new content getting tweaked for some time after it's about ready for release, do you do you reasonably see that going live in this calendar year? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, By furiously, he didn't mean, like, working really hard. He just meant that it pissed him off that he had to work yeah, on it. Yeah, he was super angry. That, you know, like, that was part of the reason. I told him, like, this is 
like the sort of stated reason that xenophobe quit is right. like this was the project that he was like Ugh, i just can't do this huh. <laughs> so it's like huh. oh well anyway so i told him to talk to me before i was like i i really don't want this to cost me a second programmer so if you if you start feeling like you don't want to do it just talk to me about it and we'll work it out yeah, like, geez, uh, you'd, you'd think that would have been the first task that you set him at, just to make sure. Well, you know, it was. But before right? you before you settle down into this position, C.D. Moyer, we need you to <clears throat> see if this the, makes you want to quit. The initial incarnation of this was actually among the first one or two things that I had C.D. Moyer do. Mm -hmm. It's just that it reached this, like, impasse of unsatisfyingness. Uh, and it took a while for me to come up with a different approach to it, huh. um, which I, which I did, and I gave I gave I didn't put this anywhere that anybody else could see it. I was just like, all right, I thought of this. I, I like actually wrote it down on a sheet of paper and scanned it um, <laughs> instead of even typing it. I, I think I might have transcribed it eventually, um, but I just put it in a thing and sent it to Chris instead of putting it in our normal backend tools so that nobody else could comment on it. And I'm like, I, like let's just do this before anybody gets a chance to argue with anybody else about it. Um, but there's like, there is like never a minute. It's not true that there's never a minute for CD Moyer to just work on a backlog of stuff. There is never a week for yeah. him to do it. And that's, uh, that's like the thing that I want him to do now. And I, I, you know, I think what we've done, he did an amazing amount of the work, uh, a long time ago. Right. And refined those methods with the Alice's army stuff. And mm. Alice's Army was a great way of learning a few lessons about what happens to this kind of stuff when it's actually out in the world with thousands of people beating on it. Right. Um, which was great. It was great that we were able to do that and, and learn those lessons from it. Yeah, that was another thing that, like, hey, guys, I have this idea. And uh, you go ahead and do it. And I'll put, like, a short story on every item so that I feel like I'm... I'm I'm actually doing something productive. And, you know, that that process resulted in us making a thing that was awesome and popular, and, you know, now we have designed and implemented and released a collectible card game with virtual... You know, like, it, it was great. It's, yeah, you know, I mean... It's not pleasant, it's a, the job that I sometimes do, but it's a job it's that a, needs to be done. It's a good thing that we're better at the work that we do because we do a lot more of it now in the same <laughs> amount of time. Um, there's just a lot more to the things that we do than there used to be. We've, we've, uh, I would really not expect folks there to be a like world breaking barnstorming July item of the month. No, uh, I actually want to, uh, put together what I feel is a sufficient, July item of the month, just myself, sometime this week. Oh. That was kind of my plan. Now, but are you going to write it or are you going to implement it? <laughs> I'm going to do you. a whole, whole thing. Um, nothing I like more than putting Scully colon write this <laughs> in the description of it. A lot of times I'll write the first sentence, not be able to think of a funny second sentence, and assign you the second sentence. I, I like that, though. I like. I like seeing, like, when I log in, like, a list of items that have notes for me in them. And sometimes yeah. the notes are like, I was really proud of you today. Or, I love you every day. I left you roses by the stair. Surprises. Let you know that I care. That's true. 
My little windmill. What do you suppose it is with... So there are two songs with windmills in them that I don't really understand. There's th that one and uh, I Palindrome I. Uh, what how, what's the wind, I forget what the windmill line is on I Palindrome I. I figure that uh, I Palindrome I is about somebody's mother on, on her deathbed and that the see the hands of my offspring making windmills means that they're uh, doing the Catholic cross thing, maybe. Oh, okay. But, uh, yeah, I'm not sure. It's a weird thing for them to say. And see the manacles chalked with the random design makes zero sense. Yeah, no, not at all. <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. You know, maybe maybe there's the maybe there's the Don Quixote aspect. Mm. So they're making windmills that should be tilted at. There's some there's some dark subject matter. You know, it, it's it's weird. It's weird the extent to which like the fact that they're considered a novelty act, like, makes it so hardly anybody knows that there's just like some serious grim shit going on in there you know that was the beautiful thing about that documentary just having people kind of read in a sonorous voice the lyrics to some of the songs someday mother will die and I'll get the money mom leans down and says my sentiments exactly you son of a bitch yeah I, Apollo 18 was especially dark it actually freaked me out the first time I listened to it I was in a room all by myself, and every song, like even Mammal, seemed to have this like air of freakiness about it. And then you know, yeah. like, shit like Turn Around is just kind of scary if you actually listen to the lyrics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mammal is one of the more innocuous ones, like Dinner Bell, yeah. too, kind of. I mean, it's, you know. Hall of Head scared the fuck out of me for a long time. See the Constellation. Is that guy committing suicide? I don't know. I think that guy's it? committing suicide. Yeah, probably. Uh, let's see. Uh, two questions, says Kuno. You guys mentioned you don't like to add a lot to the main game. Why not add higher-level optional quests for Karma, or is Killing the Naughty Sorceress the end of the Council series of quests? It's definitely the end of the Council series. Right? I mean, we, you know, I like the idea of there being stuff in there at higher levels, but it's like, eh, you know, we can only work on five things at a time. It's one of those things that you would say... If you were some posters in our forums, and not not this particular one, but you would say it should be trivial to implement a couple of high level quests that would keep people entertained, but it it certainly wouldn't be. Yeah, I mean, and and I fall into that trap too. I mean, like, what we often talk about, like, why there aren't more class specific quests in World of Warcraft, for instance, oh. because whenever we would find one of those, it was like oh, wow, that's really neat that they thought of doing this thing, right? Why aren't there more of these? Because, like, it can't be that hard, but it it can be surprisingly hard, even with good tools. I mean, we could, you know, you, like, I could say, hey, make me a quest and just mess with the tools until you've made a quest, and then if there's something wrong with it, ask me how to fix it, right? Yeah. And it, you probably could, I guess, but, like, the... The payoff in satisfaction always requires so much more effort than it seems like it yeah. would require in a way that's just that's weird, right? Because I think about like some of the some of the quests like literally took me like an afternoon, you know, to add a new quest 
to the game or whatever. Like, why can't we do that? Well, I mean, a, a thing that's going to impress upon people I am a quest these days is just going to be way more complicated and way more effort than that, right? I mean, back when a monster was a picture, a name, and a single verb for what it does to you in the nipple, right. it was a lot easier to throw a monster in there. And, you know, we, we kind of don't think of, I mean, I guess we do think about every once in a while, if we're, if we're thinking about them, like, you know, the months that it took when we decided, all right, all these monsters are going to have individual hit and miss texts, the months that you spent going through and just writing tens of thousands of those, right. like, yeah, you know, and, and thinking like, well, sure, that was months of work, and but what, that was months of work that ensure... 15 additional minutes of work on every monster from now on right and those things add up like the 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 things that it takes for a thing to be an item are more complicated than they used to be yeah uh are we uh are we ready to go have some sushi i think we are yes you'll be ready to you'll be having sushi with me in spirit uh i want to save these questions in this forum thread for the next show yeah, there are, sure there are a couple that. of doozies down there. We took a lot of, uh, yeah, I mean, we you know, we took a lot of time. We got we got pretty deep into our process. We worked some things out. We cleared some air. We did. I got some things off my chest. I learned some they things. Were, they were tits. Oh, that was I mean, the things hottie that got on my chest. They were totally tits. <laughs> I'm trying to get the tits off of my chest, but no matter how many weights I lift, no matter how my how many anabolic steroids you inject into your ass, yeah, well, into my nose. You're supposed to inject them into the muscles in your ass, not actually into your asshole. That's the only way I know how to deal with things that come that close to my ass and are shaped kind of like a penis. Yeah. That's a that's as good an ending line as I think we're gonna get. Good night, everybody. <laughs>